0: Hello and welcome to You Just Got Homeschooled, I'm RJ. And today I want to talk to you about um, my own experiences with the California Teachers Association and what I feel like they're trying to do right now. And I'm going to use some information that I got through, um, it was in the news and I and it was just interesting information given my personal experience and given my kind of my views on the way that unions work and what actually is going on. So some of this may surprise you. Some of you, some of it may not. So, first, let's start with a story. Um, When I was teaching at an underperforming public school, sixth grade, um, I taught English and history, and then I also co-taught computers and PE. And my other co-teacher, the other he had the class. He had the class was fifty-two students altogether, all sixth grade. I had twenty-six of them at the time. He had the other twenty-six, and then we switched a couple times throughout the day. And he uh, taught math and science, and then co-taught math, or computers and PE as well. And I had a lot of fun that year, especially with him. Um, we were the only two guys on campus for the first couple months of the school year, uh, as far as teachers go. And we were definitely the only ones who, you know, we were all the sixth grade class had male teachers, which had they'd never had before. Now, while we were there, something went down in one of the the seventh grade classrooms. Now, the way that the school is situated, it has five classrooms. as a center classroom, which ha- in this particular case had the eighth grade class, which was one class. Then there were two seventh grade classes. Uh, the corners, kind of, they, they think of like a, a really fat letter H, right? On one side, those were the seventh grade classrooms, two female teachers there, and then our two classrooms on the other side, sixth grade. So all of the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders are all in one big building um, in different classrooms, that were connected by inter... Like there's doors in the sides of the center room that allowed us all in, and then all exterior doors as well. So while we were there, um, our class was okay. Uh, I had to... Ironically, I, I co... Like I... Uh, not ride-shared. I carpooled with the union rep and who happened to also be the former teacher for half of my class and... Um, the dual enrollment teacher or dual, yeah, dual immersion teacher. So she taught in both English and Spanish. Um, and so she was the union rep and this teacher, and I had her class the following year. Um, so that was a little interesting, especially since I never actually joined the union. And this is part of the reason why. So a student had begun the school year more or less um, just con- like a, a continual daily attack on one of the seventh grade teachers. Um, she was a, a small, like short, I want to say probably under five feet tall Jewish woman who had been teaching for 22, 23 years, something like that. And she was new to the school too. The school had lost a whole bunch of teachers. And so we were kind of this crop of replacements. And but she had been teaching for a long time And this student from the first week started to say things and do things that are just inappropriate to do. Um, To the point where at the back to school night, which I want to say was like in the first half of the second week of school, the superintendent who was observing that classroom asked the principal to walk her out to the car because this student's parents had already become so belligerent. So fast forward, I want to say close to five months. We were in the spring semester at this point. Um, There are literally stacks of referrals on the principal's desk for the student for using um, racial slurs against her, for threatening her um, with violence, and just calling her like sexist names and making inappropriate comments in class directed specifically at this teacher. So then um, this student says this is this is his story. Says that he that she hit him in the middle of class, in the middle of math class, um, and basically that she should be fired. The problem is, is that they you know they did an investigation, and the classroom was full of students. No one saw it. No one heard it. And he didn't react to it at the time. It came up later. So this teacher, um, it gets accused of this. The stack of referrals that should have been dealt with long before then had not been dealt with appropriately. The student was still allowed to come to class every day. There was no oversight, you know, those type of things. Um, Initially, the district kind of just was like, nothing happened, no big deal. Then the parents who did not have legal custody of this student took it to the media, in which case the district decided to put her on a special assignment, which basically she was pulled out of the classroom for the rest of the year and given a special assignment to the district office working on something else in order to avoid the problem. Meanwhile, the the classroom now learns functionally that, um, that you can bully a teacher because they've been letting it go on this entire time and you can get them in trouble. And there was an immediate response in my class In the sense that now there was like this, you know, a little bit of strut in their step and like, don't touch me. You can't look at me that way. You can't do that kind of stuff, Um, which was hard for me, given the fact that I was failing most of them for not doing their work, like literally just not turning it in. If they don't turn it in or they don't like fill it out and then turn it in, I can't give them a grade for it. Right. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, I expressed that concern because of some of the comments the students were making and stuff like that to our union rep, to our, like, not just our union rep, like the district union rep. And they basically said, well, too bad. That's not our problem. So they didn't protect her or they didn't go to, go to bat for this teacher and they didn't do anything to protect me or this other guy. Um, at that point I was considering joining the union. Um, but they had, they proved themselves to be completely worthless, not to mention, um, my, my co-teachers uh, had a family member who was currently in litigation with the union because they had passed over her because they didn't like her, um, even though she had seniority and she had better, you know, like everything was better. And to the point where I think the union having to pay her out something like four or five times um, the yearly pay that she would have otherwise had, um, or yearly pay because they just passed over her without cause, without good cause. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's been my experience. The teachers' union uh, talks a lot of smack. Uh, maybe talks a good game, but when it actually comes to protecting people, they will lay down and just take whatever is given. Because heaven forbid they actually protect a teacher. Um, so, and this goes on to what I'm going to tell you about the teachers' union in California. So the article I read, and I and I actually heard it kind of. You know, in social media kind of bounce off the walls a few different places. Um, the California Teachers Association, which is the teachers union in California, spent $3.6 million, over $3.6 million in the last three months, which I think at the time of the article was um, a couple months ago. Yeah, so it spent $3.6 million in just three months promoting legislation. Um, that would was was intended to attack charter schools in particular um, charter schools if you 're unaware of what a charter school is it 's a publicly funded school that receives money from the government but does not receive the same amount of money from the state government as a public school would because the district that issues the charter gets to have what they call an oversight fee, so they get to skim off the top so for example if a if if this, the state was giving $100 um, a day per student to a public school. In most cases, a charter school would see about 80 of that, and the, the issuing district would take the 20 off the top. So they get less money per student, but they consistently, statistics show, provide better education. And that is particularly true for minority students. And so, but they spent $3.6 million lobbying the state legislature to promote these bills that would attack charter schools that are succeeding by almost every measure. So the question becomes why? Why would a teacher's union that in theory at least should be supporting teachers, which um, maybe there's not a way that there's teachers that work at these charter schools and we all have to be credentialed. They're not like, random teachers, they're not just hiring anyone. They're credentialed teachers who have gone through the entire process of becoming a credentialed teacher in California. These schools are growing. They're growing to the point where they're attracting more and more teachers. But here's the catch. Teachers who work at charter schools oftentimes are not part of the teachers' union. So herein lies the question. Why would a teachers' union spend $3.6 million of money that they basically extracted, because you can't get out of the union. Like if you're, if you teach in a public school, you have to pay union dues, whether or not you're part of the union, because you're collective bargaining. Um, And so if even if you choose not to join, what happens is they pull money out of your paycheck until the end of the school year, and then they'll refund you a portion, which is typically like 40 to 60% that they didn't use to fight for your, you know, how much you're getting paid or whatever else benefits. Um, but you get, no, you get no opportunity to direct where those funds are going or what they look like. You just, if you're part of the union, you just pay the dues and you don't get to say anything. Um, you might become a voting member at some point, which may have some weight, but um, it's not the same. And so the teachers' union spent $3.6 million attacking charter schools full of teachers and students that statistically are doing better off than they would in a public school. And the question is why? Now, if we take it and say this is a union like every other union, right, that's primary job is to protect the workers that pay into the union, then we have possibly a good reason for what they do. Anyone who teaches but is not part of the union might be seen as a traitor to the union and thus must be, by all means necessary, brought back into line and part of the union. Now, this sounds kind of like the mob to me. It's like, join us or else we're going to break your legs. Or pay your protection money or else. Because it's not like you get to say, well, I don't really want my money spent lobbying for that or lobbying for this. You're just stuck with it, right? If you're a member. Um, They're obviously not interested in the student's well-being because charter schools consistently demonstrate that they are better for students than not. But what they do is they choose not to look at that data. Like, just flat out, just don't acknowledge it. And so... It blows my mind that first they have this kind of money to waste on lobbying, to bring down schools that are providing valuable services to actual students, right? I know that there are, there are charter schools who, and this is the thing, if you're not aware of charter schools, there's charter schools that look all these sorts of ways. You have charter schools that specialize in the arts. So what they do is they tailor all their curriculum to the arts. So if your kid's a theater kid or a, a sculptor or a painter, they have schools, charter schools, that are tailored to that end, Right? So you're doing Shakespeare in your class in your English class, you're also playing Shakespeare on the stage, and so you might have you know your regular classes and then have twice as much time that you're spending in the arts. engineering right. Um, my brother went to a, a STEM school, a, a, a basically a school of science and technology, right education so um, and they specialize on robotics and, you know, computer stuff like that. So they tailor the curriculum to meet the interests of the kids. And it runs the gamut from like specialty schools to schools that are specifically for um, particular kinds of kids. And then you have all the way on the other end of the spectrum is like an independent study charter school, which allows parents to um, teach and help integrate the student's life with their curriculum, which is particularly good for students with special needs. Um, Because if you're a kid that is really given to music and and like autistic or Asperger's or something like that, um, or another particular thing, you can then tailor the curriculum to meet the requirements within the context of something a student already loves, which is much better than what you see in a public school, which is typically like they throw you into a classroom where they put you in a special, you know, special ed class and they just give you whatever prescripted curriculum they were given rather than, and this may not be every class because obviously teachers are very different and all that kind of stuff, but, um, and I'm not not to attack SPED teachers or even public schools per se, but the, it's very clear to me that the teachers union does not care about the students in these schools. They do not care that they actually come out ahead, like their actual school districts come out ahead because they're taking money for something they're not providing services for, right? Every student in the charter That district is $20, right? If they're the issuing district, $20 or whatever the amount is per kid who's enrolled in that charter, but they don't have to do anything for it other than approve the charter and make sure that school's not going wacko. There's no way it costs, right? There's what, 180 school days? Let's say they're only taking $10 per head, right? Per day. 180 school days, that's a lot of money. That's a ton of money right? They're getting for nothing. Why are the teachers union not pressing the school districts to get better pay then? Why instead are they trying to shut down charter schools unless it's to take and force those teachers at charter schools to become part of the teachers association so that then they can bring more recesses, you know, resources to bear on lobbying and stuff like that. Now, this is just my personal opinion. Um, and And I do find it very strange because I don't know very many teachers who are like, yeah, hey, the union, they're wonderful. I love what they do. Um, and the schools that I've worked for that have not been union have generally paid me the same or better than the ones that I've worked for that have been union. Um, and if they're such a great place to work and if the schools are are doing so well, why are parents fleeing them and going to charter schools and private schools and, and um, homeschooling? And why are teachers fleeing them to go work in, in what they perceive as a better environment for sometimes equal or sometimes lesser pay um, if everything is hunky-dory and well in the universe created by the California Teachers Association. So um, I just want you to think about that and be aware that like these lobbying groups are at play and they're making massive educational decisions for your kids, really massive educational decisions for your kids because if the teachers union goes to a legislature with tons of money, and says, hey, we want you to vote this way, do you trust your politicians to say, no, that's not good for the kids? I know I don't. Not in this state. Not in this day and age, where for some reason, everyone gets all scared or frightened or worried when they see someone who is in a position of political prominence eventually succumb to the reality that they're human, right? Um, And they make mistakes and you didn't get there by accident. They didn't get that way or they didn't get up to that position, whether it's, you know, in the movies or, you know, on up in a, a Congress building somewhere. They didn't get that way oftentimes by being moral. That's not to say there's not moral politicians, but it is to say that we're constantly surprised, seemingly, when we find the people that we loved or thought we loved, that we agreed with, really don't care very much about us. They really care about themselves and their own desires. And that they're human at their base. They're humans and they have their own things. They might be drunks. They might be addicted to a substance. They might be philandering. It doesn't really make a difference. Um, But when a lobbyist comes with a ton of money and a ton of influence and says, we got all these signatures. Do you really want us, the union, to tell all of our members not to vote? I got that email. I got the email telling me how to vote on things. Like, wait, why are you telling me how to vote? I thought you were there to protect my job. Well, this is protecting your job. But what if I disagree with it? Well, too bad. You have to be part. You have to pay your dues. And so just be aware that those things are, are going on in today's society. And I don't know how the teacher's union, if there even is one in your, in your state, if you're outside of California. But if you are in here, be aware that there are forces working to, to limit the options you have on how to educate your kid. And I am convinced, hopefully wrongly, to be honest, that if they are, if they succeed in shutting down charter schools, or at least most charter schools, they will then pursue um, to see, to shut down uh, private school affidavits, which are basically homeschoolers themselves, and probably press put a lot of pressure on uh, private schools themselves, because they've already tried to do that with um, private Christian colleges, where they tried to make laws that would um, limit a Christian institution, a, a, like Doctrinal statement, Christian institution, from just quote unquote discriminating against people who their doctrine says are are living an immoral lifestyle, and and that just begs the question, like what are you really getting at? What are they really getting at when they're telling a, a school that says no, we don't believe in X, Y, or Z, um, saying no, you have to right? You had the same problem with Obamacare, um, with. The requirement that the health insurance provide contraception, or contraception, um, but if you're Catholic and you're not allowed ethically, morally, according to your religious beliefs, to practice any form of contraception, you also don't want your money going to pay for it, much less abortion, which was another thing that was a required um, thing under the original Obamacare law, and I'm not sure where it's at now, but but Really? Like, should your money can should you be compelled to give your money to an institution that then decides how to spend your money for you, whether or not you agree with it morally? And so, um, I know this probably wasn't terribly encouraging, um, but I want you to be aware that these things are out there, and I want you to to recognize that there are forces working against you, working against your kids, or at least working against the options that your kids have. And if they are willing to go to bat to pull down an entire school system that does a better job on less money, imagine what they can do if they decide that they want to make slight changes to curriculum. We want to get rid of this particular story in the history book. We want to add this one, right? A great example of that is um, if, you're, if you didn't know this, um, the internment camps that the United States set up during World War II for the Japanese and mostly in California and Hawaii um, because they might be, you know, enemies are, are horrible, what you never hear in history books is they also set up internment camps for Irish and Germans in southern Texas. Why is it the only story in there is the Japanese and not the Irish and the Germans? Is there a purpose behind that? Now, that's not to say that it's been completely forgotten from history. That's not to say that um, there is necessarily an intentional bias, although there were were far more Japanese in turn than there were Irish or Germans. But the question becomes, why would you only tell one part of the story unless you have a purpose behind it? And why are you only telling it in, in the sense that it's this horrible thing that happened to these people and aren't we all horrible human beings for having been part of a country that did this, rather than recognizing that at the time, it seemed like a legitimate threat that doesn't make the action right, Morally, but it makes it more understandable. And so instead of dehumanizing the people who committed the interment or or allowed or whatever the interment, we can at least extend some compassion and be like, I may not agree with what you did, but at least I understand why you did it. It was fear-based, and that may not have been right, but but you're a human being and you had just been attacked and had almost your entire Pacific fleet sunken in one attack in one day by an easily identifiable enemy that you might see walking down the street. And again, doesn't make it right, but at least we can extend a little bit of compassion and historical perspective and say, you know, I might have done the same thing, given the same situation, the same, you know, same um, opportunities, same power to do so. So be aware of those things. Um, on a positive note, I think that we're waking up a little bit. I think I think our society is beginning to understand um, what all is going on in the world and beginning to see the divergence of ideology and where um, the idea that we can never offend someone ever as like a a cultural rule is starting to break down because it, we can't have a conversation if we're both living in fear of offending each other. We can never talk about real things, not real solid things, not real important things until we're able to give the person the benefit of the doubt and, and say, no, I am I can be offended um, without it being an, an intentional attack against me. Or also at the same time say, when I when I'm offended, I'm giving you power. But if I hear what you're saying and respond in kindness, we may get a different result. Or we may actually make progress towards a solution or an understanding, or at least we'll commune as human beings in some version of mutual respect, even if we disagree on some very important things. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, subscribe, hit the buttons, write the reviews, share with a friend. Please share with a friend, um, and. Follow us on Instagram at homeschooled Podcast. Thank you. have a great day.